Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the possibility of 8% mortgage rates and what he's watching to see if we'll get there in the short term. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking to Desmond Smith, Chief Growth Officer at UWM, about SafeCheck. Desmond, how are trigger leads impacting borrowers? So trigger leads have become a very big issue many industries, not just mortgages, but specifically the mortgages, what we've seen happen is a loan officer or a broker will pull credit and sometime within minutes, but uh, definitely within the hour, uh, we've had consumers receive upwards of 40 calls. You know, within a day or two, they may receive hundreds of calls. So that's the reason that UWM created SafeCheck to protect borrowers. Thanks, Desmond. And listeners, you can find out more about SafeCheck at uwm.com. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, second interview of the day. I know. So you were on CNBC Squawk Box this morning for a pretty long segment on housing. So get us up to speed on that. I know, you know, I watched that and they they really wanted to know about mortgage rates, right? I mean, that's what's in the headline. We're at the highest point in 20 years or more than 20 years. So what was your main point to them? Well, CNBC talked about, you know, the NAR uh, was uh, expressing concern about 8% mortgage rates. And of course, for me, I'm a bond market guy uh, first. I don't target mortgage rates. I target 10-year yield channels. So uh, for those that have access to Housing Wire Plus, you can read exactly what my mindset is because I think targeting mortgage rates, not a lot of people want to do that. Uh, there, there hasn't been very good history on this for a, a lot of economists or analysts, but I target 10-year yields, and I go back and show everyone my work in the previous expansion, what happened during COVID and now, and we're kind of right at the high-end level uh, um, of the 10-year yield. So four and a quarter, you know, we're uh, almost, you know, seven and a quarter, seven and a half percent mortgage rates. And I try to give a reason why that, you know, the Federal Reserve is actually probably more happy now where they are with uh, inflation and, and rates, and why it's going to be a little bit more difficult to really take off from here. Um, but with CNBC, you know, uh, the question was, well, what what does it mean for housing? Well, of course, higher mortgage rates, demand gets weaker. That's all kind of obvious. Uh, but one of the things I try to express to them is home sales kind of already crashed, and I think th- th- their confusion is the same confusion as everyone is having this year. If housing costs are much more this year, why aren't home sales crashing like they uh, uh, like they were last year? Well, I've always had this fundamental belief. It's something that I've written about a lot. We talked about it on November 9th last year uh, 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 on our articles. We get to around 4 million on existing home sales. The people, the marginal home buyers are already kind of wiped out. And uh, the affordability issues aren't as prevalent down here with these home buyers as they are up when we were, you know, five and a half to six and a half million home sales. So we are 
home sales are s- slowly moving lower, uh, where there is a good shot that will be under 4 million at some point this year as rates uh, have stayed higher for longer. But it's just not the velocity uh, cr- uh, crash in sales. And I think that's, I mean, the confusion by everyone is, how are home prices at all-time highs? You know, five of the indexes are at all-time highs. And the whole concept of the savagely unhealthy housing market was this notion that, well, homeowners are doing really good. They are in control. And when they are in control, it's not just a hedge against inflation, right? That's that's one of the talking points we've done uh, for some time. But you are hedging yourself against the Federal Reserve. Jerome Powell, Kashkari, Logan, Waller, all these people, they said, we're trying to make your lives better by bringing inflation down. You're raising the cost of living on everyone, right? Credit cards are growing up, car loans, everybody. That is inflationary. You're bringing it into the system. And American homeowners like, no, Jay, we, we're not moving, right? And uh, um, some of the frustration of the Federal Reserve is that their rate hikes or higher mortgage rates haven't uh, destroyed the economy enough. And we're what we had 5.8% GDP retail sales beat. And, and a lot of this is that the American homeowner is like this golden eagle right now uh, around the world that, you know, housing markets around the world have to deal with, uh, uh, you know, recast rates. There's still inflationary issues out there, but the American homeowner has this beautiful backdrop of having a low total fixed costs. And when you have a very low total fixed cost, you uh, insulate yourself from inflation and a very aggressive Federal Reserve. And that's kind of what I try to uh, uh, relate to CMEC and their viewers, that new listings data has been trending at all-time lows since mortgage rates got above 6%. There's nothing in the data that's showing any stress in the new listings, uh, uh, but we haven't had another leg lower, thankfully. And hopefully, this last move in higher rates doesn't change that uh, because we have to have a functioning we have to have a functioning housing market why because Sarah like we always said people rent they date they mate they get married three and a half years after marriage they have kids they typically buy homes okay we have to be a country for young people not older baby boomers who are like oh my god these kids aren't bidding against me anymore I can I can uh, buy a house and uh, we'll see what the market does with uh, rates going out for the rest of the year but there was a lot to unpack, and I think uh, uh, getting a, a very late call from CNBC, hey, listen, um, the NAR is talking about 8% rates. You want to come? Yes. Let me do my job. Let me explain the madness of the United States housing market. So this goes with, you wrote an article for us, for Housing Wire, that was, you know, this is the first real test of rates. Will they hit 8%? And I think the idea that rates could hit 8% is pretty terrible for anybody in the housing industry, right? Because, you know, I, I can understand why NAR kind of, you know, raised a red flag of like, this is not good. This is not good. Um, but in the article, you went through what is it that would have to happen to get there? And you even just, you know, you just said you really track the 10-year yield, and you're looking at that for for your cues about what that's going to do to mortgage rates. So tell us, Logan, 8%, is that what's coming? If the economic data stays better here, uh, you can get there. But my my thing is that do we do we stay here long? Do we even go higher? You know, the real yields where, you know, where the 10-year yield is and inflation is the Federal Reserve finds this to be very restrictive now. Uh, we we're starting to hear 
you know, talk about, well, if if the growth rate of inflation falls, we're going to have to start cutting rates. And also, the Fed doesn't want to, you know, push it too much at this at, at this point. So they're monitoring everything because we're at a different spot where inflation is. That's always the key. Uh, and again, as of right now, the 10-year yield is at 4.23%. Uh, it's now back into the channel Yesterday, in the article that I wrote, I try to highlight, well, my whole thing is I wanted to see the 10-year yield would hit 4.34%. This gets into the really nitty-gritty technical stuff of bond markets, and we didn't get there. We we reversed course and bond yields fell. But uh, um, so far, the channel's still there 99% of the time. Uh, I'm not a 8% mortgage rate person for 2023. Uh, the, I had my 10-year yield channel, and I work off of it. But one of the things I showed in that article, in the previous expansion, there have been times where I go above and below that range. We don't stay there long either either way. We just go back to where we where we are, were. So again, track economic data. It's you know we do the housing wire tracker to give a heads up on what could come out and move. And retail sales was good. Uh, industrial production was good. GDP uh, uh, benefited from that. And we would be having a much different conversation today if retail sales had a big miss, if jobless claims had a big spike, if industrial production had a had a miss. So uh, right now, just kind of work with the economic data. We're at the high end of the range. Uh, and eventually, the Fed has to make comments about the housing market because this is the one area in the economy where home sales are near 21st century lows. Right. So uh, and your the whole dual mandate is not about home prices. Right. I think that that was the mistake Jay Powell made by saying housing reset. This was the mistake Jay Powell made by saying housing was in a bubble because every bubble boy, if you're saying something is a bubble, that means there's going to be a huge crash and there's going to be massive supply. So Jay Powell was actually joining forces with the clan that doesn't like him very much. The housing bubble boys. So it was a weird thing to see. But uh, at some point, they're going to have to like talk about housing in a more coherent way uh, that makes sense with the real-time economic data. And uh, uh, that was one of the things I just try to stress on CNBC. Homeowners are doing good. You do not have to feel bad for homeowners. Uh, if they want to move, if rates fall down, you know, what we've always said, when rates go down, demand picks up. When rates go up, demand falls. You know, that's, that's always been in the data post-2010, but uh, they're waiting. Right. And they're waiting. And the problem is home prices are at all time highs and, you know, uh, housing costs are going up. It's savagely unhealthy. And there there isn't a quick fix. Right. Uh, we're almost in September now. Uh, uh, so the year is the year is mostly done. So we have to start thinking about 2024. But uh, I think I think, you know, Melissa Lee was saying, well, what if things just crash or something? And so people are staying in their homes are doing good. This is not like stocks. Stocks have the velocity of going up and down like crazy, but home prices don't have that unless you have massive supply, massive distress sales, and uh, not there. We don't have that kind of marketplace. Let's talk about the Fed a little bit, because to me, we're getting into the territory where the Fed is going to start to feel stressed because you know there's something about 8%, for instance. The fact that we wrote an article, that you wrote an article that said, are we at 8%, the fact that CNBC had you on and you talked about 8%, that is, that is like a new level. And I feel like it's the kind of level that at which people will start to, you know, the, the, your general consumer understands how bad 8% mortgage rates are. And I feel like that could be something that bubbles up. I mean, we saw this a little bit totally different 
But when, when the, um, when the FHFA rolled out something about the DTI, um, they were going to change the DTI things in the spring and it, and it went out into, it just went viral. And like your normal person who doesn't know anything about it because of the LLPA changes, because of those two things were, were together. It, it felt like there was like this storm from a level of like, your kid's going to say something about it, your neighbor, your, your aunt, whatever. And I just feel, and, and it got changed. And I feel like this 8% could be that for the federal reserve. What do you think? You know, the NAR Lawrence one just came out and 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 literally said, "Hey, this is not good." You know, eight percent rates are, are are not good, and you know everybody kept on saying housing home sales have bottomed. You know, the forward looking tracker data we did have three good months. That was November, January, and February, and after that we're just going back and forth. But higher rates for longer, we're not crashing, but you're not having more positive prints anymore, right? So we're actually negative for the year. Eight uh, percent mortgage rates. Don't help with that. Uh, so it's it's one of these things. I don't know what the Federal Reserve wants to do with housing, uh, um, but because they made it the housing reset, and this is why Jay Powell made a mistake by saying this, you're going to have to own it, right? And then when Neil Kashkari goes, oh my God, home sales didn't crash or the, the brakes never get, you go, listen, I Sarah, they need to be sit down and like have like somebody teach them like how to read housing data, how to read economic data in relationship to housing, and and why people won't list their homes. You know, we we talked about that a few a few months ago when uh, Barkin from the Fed says, "I don't understand why higher rates would would uh, uh, prevent people from listing their homes." I'm like, "Oh God, <laughs> why, why, why are you people like this?" You know, so um, yeah, eight percent gets your attention because. I got. I don't remember eight percent mortgage rates. I don't. I was in high school, I think, at, at that point. And uh, uh, you know, the rates got as high as what we saw in December of, of two thousand. And people would naturally think home prices should be crashing, inventory should be rising, and it's not happening because Sarah Wheeler credit channels run inventory channels. And uh, um, when you have the positive aspect, as I try to portray in, in CMC. Homeowners are doing well. You know, nobody sells to be homeless. It was a really bad theory, whoever made that up. But uh, uh, being stuck is was always the fear of housing in this period. And we're being stuck. And something's going to have to unbreak this. And I always said that the one thing that, you know, got transaction going was lower rates. And that's all we can do at this point. Uh, but then that's the bond market, the economy, inflation, these things. And uh, we're just not there yet uh, uh, to, to get rates low enough or for, for a longer period of time. You know, what you see all over the internet is, um, you know, all those people talking about like, yeah, grandpa, you know, you had higher rates than this, but your house costs like, you know, $50,000. I don't want to hear about it. And I think that is the difference here is that it's not just higher rates, it's higher rates with really high home prices to your point that that you were talking about the at the top of this podcast like this is what this is the 1970s inflation that the fed should be worried about right is like this unaffordability you know the 1970s had a massive housing boom right uh, uh higher rates higher home prices 
uh, uh, rent inflation took off. That was a much different dynamic. We had, you know, the the baby boomers coming into the workforce. The uh, women were coming into the labor workforce. We did not have, uh, uh, of course, the products and, and home prices went up. But mortgage rates getting up to 10, 12, 13%, you know, we had a crash in sales at that point. From We went from 2 million to 4 million to 2 million home sales. Now we, you know, we went from, Four million at the lows of COVID to you know six point seven million at the highs and then back down to four million. So it, it, in some ways it's similar in in that sense, but we don't have the nineteen seventies inflation in terms of rent inflation. You know, oil even in itself adjusting to inflation is not as uh, as big as it was back then. I mean, we had some really hardcore issues uh, in the, in the mid to late seventies, which are different now. So I. You know, there's there's nothing you can do. The bond market, the ten year yield and housing have this really relationship. The slow dance that we always talk about, Sarah, between mortgage rates and uh, as of right now, we're just basically just two basis points underneath the peak level of what I thought the ten year yield would be. So mortgage rates are still above seven. Uh, uh, again, I think there's going to be a total dynamic shift going into when we get into 2024, which will cross that bridge. At the end of the year, but uh, um, there's there's a we're we're at a different stage right now than we were, I would say, last year. At this point, last year at this point, things were crazy. You know, uh, the dollar was super strong. The ten-year yield was skyrocketing. London was going to lose its pension funds. The Bank of Japan intervened. The IMF was getting Ethan Hutt to tell the Fed to stop uh, hiking rates and and. you know, we, we don't have that kind of marketplace. So there's a little bit more stability. And of course, now, you know, uh, uh, back then, everyone was thinking we're going in recession, we're going in recession. Now, you know, uh, uh, people are more talking about a soft landing. So it's, it's different, but we still have the same core issues. Uh, too many people still chasing too few homes. The too few homes is the real problem as inventory channels broke to all-time lows past 2020, and it's just savagely unhealthy. It is savagely unhealthy. Yes. As you know, I had uh, Mike Simonson on the podcast this week. Um, I guess this is going to actually be uh, published next week, but had him on recently and we were talking about the inventory and just the dire situation that we are in in many markets right now. So you're going to get the inventory, uh, the Altos data, (laughs) Altos research data soon. What do you, what do you think? Um, before I address that, what did Mike Simonson tell you about the mortgage rate lockdown? <laughs> We're not going to talk about that, Logan. <laughs> what did what did he what, what did he what did he say? Okay, Sarah he Wheeler? said he agreed with you, but he came at it from a different like he's coming at it from a different data point, and but he sort of agrees with you. Yeah. Okay, but okay, what did so I say? So both of your both of your data miners have a have have a concept. We might go at it in different ways, but. Uh, um, you might want to, you might want to just follow your experts on this yeah. one. <laughs> no, I, I, I really do trust my experts, but we are going to have a good conversation about that at housing Wire annual. Everybody should come because not only are you giving a keynote and Mike is, is speaking as well that you and I are going to have a, a showdown live podcast about the mortgage rate lockdown. And we would love to have our audience there, um, participate. So that's going to be good. So that's a whole separate thing in some ways. Uh, let's talk about inventory because, you know, this is when you always do the tracker and what are you seeing? You know, you purchase. I, I'm just, I'm just hoping that new, new listings data does not have, have a, a noticeable decline 
Uh, I'm just crossing my fingers and just hope that the next few weeks we just have an orderly seasonal decline and uh, I don't have to even whisper the words, we have another new leg lower. Uh, um, at some point this has to end, you know, one of the, one of the things about a, a mortgage rate lockdown, it, the, the theory that nobody would move their homes. I mean, we, we would actually have new listings data, you know, the last week was around 60,000. It would be about 15 to 20,000. If there was a conceptual mortgage rate lockdown, I mean, you would just shut down everything. Uh, we still have buyers and sellers. People are still moving. So uh, uh, there, there, there's enough activity to still get about 5 million total home sales or roughly around there, uh, depending on where rates go for the rest of the year. But I'm just hoping active listings grow new listings data are declining, but that slows down and just has an orderly decline toward the end of the year. And we, we start 2024 in a better spot. And one of the things I, I try to, uh, or I emphasize on CNBC is that, you know, you you give the numbers for for the previous week is four hundred ninety two thousand single family homes. Okay, four hundred ninety two thousand single family homes for a country of three hundred thirty five million and one hundred fifty six million working. One hundred fifty six million people working. Okay, then you go back to twenty fifteen, which wasn't that much historically anyway, but we are one point two million. Uh, so choices are a good thing. Uh, that's that's my belief. More supply is the best way to defeat inflation. More supply and more choices is a positive. When you break down what we saw in 2020, it was we were in a bad spot, and we let the pack of hyenas run around TikTok and YouTube and tell us, "Oh, we're going to have a massive inventory." Cr-, you know, here comes the forbearance, and here's this, and and what do we? What have? What is? This is a historical period of time. What have homeowners showed us? They're a lot tougher than stock traders. YouTubers, TikTokers, and people on Twitter, and they're doing well financially. So they need a reason to sell their house. If they can afford another house, they put them on the market. Sellers are buyers, right? We don't have a job loss recession yet. That was a different variable when you cross that bridge. And I just want something orderly because I don't want what happened last the last few years happen again in 2024. The spring inventory seasonal bottom is March and April. You know, and we're doing this again. And, you know, at some point rates do fall and all these people are sitting here waiting for rates to fall. And then you go, okay, here we go. You know, now I, now I feel more comfortable buying. And then again, you're back in that situation because we're not anywhere normal. And that's always the fear. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a consistent talking point of mine for a reason, because I'm not worried about this mass inventory, people selling to be homeless, you know, stuff like that, you know. We have tested this really four different times, and it's tests with flying colors because fixed debt costs, rising wages, credit channels are normal. They're boring because the 30-year fixed mortgage is boring. So uh, this is where we are. We are in August of 2023, right? Uh, um, And uh, this is the market we're dealing with. That's why we created the tracker. So all of you have the raw data that you could talk to your clients, you could explain to your friends, that crazy uncle you have that thinks everything's going to blow up every single day. No, your job is to give them the information. So I'm here with Brenna Nath, the leader of Housing Wire's HW Plus and events business. Brenna, welcome. Hey. So we're going to talk about Housing Wire Annual for a minute. So I don't know if this event is for you. It's certainly not for everybody in our audience, but it is for the leaders of the housing industry. 
We have built Housing Wire Annual for mortgage banking, mortgage origination, capital markets, and real estate brokerage leaders. Brenna, give us a glimpse into what the leaders of our industry can expect at Housing Wire Annual. It's always great to know who else is going to be in the room, right? So, I mean, just this week, wrapped up a call with Ginger Wilcox, who is now the president of Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. That's a great example of someone who's been across the housing, real estate, mortgage industry. Other great speakers include Baron Silverstein. He's the president over at New Res, Cindy Keith, chief strategy officer at NFM Lending, Alec Hansen, chief marketing officer at Loan Depot. I'm specifically saying their titles and the companies because I think that really lets you have a perspective of who are the peers in this space um, and really some of the biggest companies out there that you want to kind of mingle with. We're also bringing some of uh, the industry thought leaders and economics and data like Logan Motoshami and Mike Simonson, who are both part of our team at HW Media, and Sandra Thompson from the FHFA is also joining us. So like I said in the beginning, this event is not for everybody in the housing industry, but it is for the leaders who want to help define the future of mortgage and real estate. If you're interested, check out our website. It's October 10th at the Hyatt Lost Pines near Austin, Texas. Brenna, any other details? Uh, it's a great place to bring your family, I would say. But even if it's just your team or coworkers, this is a great spot to bring those people closest to you to either learn about the industry or spend extra time with your family and rest along with Get the Knowledge. So let's talk a little bit about 2024, right? So what we don't want to do, fingers crossed, as you said, that like, unlike this year, when January, we had the highest you know, inventory in January. That is not good. That does not bode well. We need to get some more inventory coming online before that. Or if, you know, whatever we are in January, we want to see inventory come online February, March, April, like a normal year, right? What we want to see, what I was hoping to see this year is that the seasonal bottom happens in January and then January, February, March, April, May, we have the normal increases in active listings. The exact opposite happened. Uh, and partly some of that is demand got better, right? Uh, as mortgage rates were falling, the forward-looking data, the November, December, January forward-looking data was positive. It gave us one of the biggest uh, month-to-month sales prints ever recorded in history. And that pushed out the seasonal bottom in April. And then we had the zombie, right? You know, when I was on CNBC in May, I said, it really looks like a zombie. And they were like, but we have year over year percentages in inventory. Yeah, that's if we're continuing this way, we're going to be negative year over year, which was a hard concept for people to understand. They're like, how could, how could inventory be negative year over year with sales low? Yes, it is. Inventory channels are different. So uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Again, we cross that bridge in January, especially the first few weeks. That'll be really key. But it's definitely not boring, Sarah. You know, the previous expansion was so boring. Oh my God. It was such a boring housing market. You know, it was painstaking, but uh, we only had a few uh, uh, episodes where it got very interesting here, man, every second, every day, you know, uh, things are wild and different. And I think it's, again, for someone like me that does nothing else and look at charts, you know, you know, we inhale the information. It's religion to us. It's feeding. It's oxygen. But for everyone else, they're normal people and they have normal things to do. So it's, it's, it's not, it's, you know, our job is to try to tell you the story by giving you the math, facts, and data and for it to make sense. And uh, it's, it's complicated. It's complicated. For those that saw the CNBC interview, you could see that, you know, there were some, but what about this? And what, you know, what, and I said, yeah, it's, it's just one of these things that, 
uh, you have to break down the housing data piece by piece and try to explain it to to get everyone to have sense with it. So the last piece of housing data I wanted to ask you about was the builder's confidence. So we did see that uh, change this this week, this month, I guess. For um, and that's a big deal. I mean, we've been you've been tracking. You know, why are the builders so happy? Or the builders have this advantage. So what happened? So uh, I always, you know. The build the builder survey is very efficient, and uh, when it started to get better, starting from November, the forward looking data, um, uh, people didn't go with it, and that traditionally is what happens. And right now, what I'm what I'm keeping an eye on as rates go up higher, the forward looking data for them, you know, what's what they think six months fell back to back months. So that to me means they feel less confident from where they are now. They're still they're they're elevated from the from the recent lows but this could mean that we're just going to be in a very choppy month to month positive negative positive negative that actually was very normal in the previous expansion uh but we finally hit the limit off that really strong uh, uh, uh almost almost like a, a halfway v-shaped recovery in the builders confidence of course the builder stocks were doing really good they're, they're you know the sales are up uh, over 20% year over year uh, different marketplace because of the the, the buy downs, uh, but again, as rates go higher, it costs them more, and you know the rate variable goes up higher and higher. So we finally saw cracks in that uh, system, uh, and again, we we track that survey religiously because it's been very effective for the last few decades. It takes the human element out of the equation where people just think, oh, it's going to go back down. If it if it turns, it turns. You go with it until. You see a few months uh, of that not going, so we've had back-to-back months. That's that's what I'm keeping an eye on for them. Got to keep an eye on that because, of course, that would be great to have some more inventory come online, but it is also spread out and in different places. Then it's not just like everybody can go and buy a new home; they're more expensive. And also, I mean, there I, I know at least I can speak to Dallas. Like it's all on the it's not even the first ring suburbs; it's like the second ring suburbs is where all the building is. You know they're they're clustered, and I always say that the existing home sales, when you have normal inventory, has always a geographical ad- advantage over the builders because they're spread out everywhere. Where the builders just you know find a, a unique area where they think it'd be the it'd be the best demand for them. So uh, in, in this context, uh, uh, for now they're the only game in town. I know Warren Buffett recently put eight hundred million dollars into the builders. Uh, it's not that big of a position for him, but again, it, it, as long as existing inventory is low and the builders have the ability to buy down rates, advantage, disadvantage, they never had an advantage in the previous cycle. Now they do in this environment. We will keep watching. Logan, thank you so much for being on with us. We're so happy to have your analysis. We know why CNBC loves to grab you and get you on and give you on uh, the top spot on Squawk Box, but I'm really happy that we get to talk to you several times a week. Pleasure is all mine, Sarah, even though you always try to tell me to, you know, stop leading back and forth. Stop it. You know, you hook yourself to the something. And I was just like, unleashed Logan you know, is the best slogan. No, and wait, wait till Housing no, Wire actually. Annual. I am going to put on a show uh, because I can't get in too much trouble from you guys who are in other places. I have to behave and it'll be a lot of fun for uh, the people there. It will be. For for those who, you know, they don't see the raw footage of this uh, podcast, I have to tell you, I'm like, lockdown, Logan. We need a lockdown, a mortgage rate lockdown for Logan where he's, where he's locked down, but he resists it every time. Well, thank you for being on. We'll talk to you again soon.
Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.